Greetings, blessings, and welcome to another empowering episode of the Fuel for Your Journey podcast. My name is Dee Sally, and I am the podcast host. I'm an author, speaker, faith-based life coach, and wellness advocate. We bring you here on the Fuel for Your Journey podcast. It is our mission to bring you inspiring conversations that will fuel your journey. Tonight, 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 we have another exciting conversation. We're going to be talking from the topic of from prison sentence to purpose driven. And my special guest for joining me this evening is going to be Tony Jackson, a.k.a. Tony Restored. As a certified recovery coach, Anthony Jackson works diligently to help those suffering with any type of addiction break free. In his published book, Prison Sentence to Purpose Driven, Anthony has boldly laid out his life's journey with total transparency, detailing how wrong choices led him into a life filled with darkness, holding nothing but danger, heartache, disappointment, and destruction. Having overcome his personal battle with drug addiction, Anthony understands the viciousness of addiction and the vital need for tools, support, and accountability to victoriously defeat such a struggle, thus fueling his fire to become a recovery coach. Anthony is driven by the mindset that we are all given the opportunity to reroute our pathways, direction, to lead us into pure light filled with God's forgiveness, peace, joy, and lifelong success. Anthony is currently a great asset to society. He is a husband. He's a father of three daughters with three grandsons and one lone granddaughter. He was able to reestablish himself in the workforce. Efforts that led him to being a recovery coach as well as owning his own business as an owner, operator, truck driver currently stationed in Indiana. Outside of being an avid reader, Anthony is also a fan of podcasts and has been featured on several of them. He also served on the panel for events with the Ross Movement, aiding in assistance for those of need in the Indianapolis area. Anthony's passion is pure, and because of his humble spirit and loving heart, Anthony has received immeasurable support from his family and friends. So I'm excited. I'm excited to welcome um, Anthony Jackson, a.k.a. Tony Restore to the Few for Your Journey podcast. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you, Miss D. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to learn more about your story um, from Prison Sentence to Purpose Driven. Tell us a little more about that title. Okay, Prison Sentence to Purpose Driven, uh, My Addiction Led to My Conviction. Uh, I wrote the book because I wanted people to know that they can't overcome addiction. And just because they have addiction, don't, it doesn't make them not successful. A lot of people feel like just because they've been addicted to a, a drug, 
they feel like they, they can't get to the next level or they'll never amount to nothing. But I'm here to tell them that they can. I was addicted to crack cocaine for 15 years, and during that time I lost a relationship with my children and also with my parents. So it took a long time to get that back, but I wrote the book to let people know that, that it is a way out. And it's Amen. not easy, but you have to stay consistent with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I like that, what you said, there is a way back, you know, whether it be an addiction, like you said, with crack cocaine or an addiction, um, or, or any type of unhealthy pattern, situation, or circumstance we may find ourselves in, God is a restoring God. And, you know, in his word, he says, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, you know, when we find ourselves in those pits, you know, in those situations where, you know, we may have turned left and we should have turned right, we can still make it back on that road to recovery. You want to share more about your story? Tell us exactly how, you know, you landed in that place and and some of the steps. I think it's really critical to share some of the steps that you were able to take to come out of that place of darkness. Sure will. I'm glad when you said that God restored, and that's how I came up with Tony Restored, because God restored my life from where I came from. Um, I grew up as only child. I had the best of the best. My parents spoiled me. I was a spoiled, rotten child. (laughs) Didn't want for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends in my neighborhood used to tell me, man, you're so lucky. You get whatever you want. But a lot of my friends didn't, didn't realize what was going on in my house. Uh, my parents was present and absent at the same time. Now, for well. it's stuff, they gave me everything. But it wasn't a whole bunch of hugs and I love using my family. Mm-hmm. I didn't take my first family vacation until I turned 30 years old. Uh, as okay. a kid, I, we never went to no movies. We never went to no amusement parks. Uh, we never sat down and ate dinner together. We just didn't do stuff like that. But deep down, I knew my parents loved me, and I think that came down with, with the generation that they just didn't know mm-hmm. how to do that. And they just worked mm-hmm. trying to provide for me because they wanted the best for me because they grew up so poor. So um, fast forward a little bit when I uh, – Got to middle school, I started gaining some new friends. You know, we started hanging out, going going to the mall, going to the movies, playing football, not getting no type of trouble or nothing like that. You know, started dating little girls. We thought we was cool at this time. (laughs) Right. So when it was time for us to go to high school, we couldn't wait. You know, we was all excited, and we just couldn't wait till that day happened. Well, mm-hmm. when it was time for us to go to high school, things kind of changed. I forgot about my friends that I used to hang out in, in middle school. My, now, my friends was cool, don't get me wrong, but they weren't friends that didn't get in trouble. They didn't drink. They didn't smoke. They didn't cut class. They just didn't do stuff like that. But it was some more people did. And I was curious. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hang out with those people. And before I knew it, I was smoking marijuana every day. Mm-hmm. I used to smoke marijuana before I went to school, at school, and after school. 
And nobody never knew because I always kept my appearance up. Mm-hmm. Well, when I became a sophomore, I started working and I saved my money up and my parents helped me get a car. So now things are really going good for me. You know, I'm working, I got money, and now I'm smoking more marijuana. And plus I got a car. So you're mobile now. Yeah, I'm mobile now. (laughs) (laughs) But I always passed. I didn't fail, you know. I wasn't the smartest kid, but I wasn't a dumb kid either, but I, I, I passed my, my classes. Mm-hmm. So when it was time for me to become a junior, I had to sit down with my counselor, and she told me I had enough credits where I can go to school half a day, where I could work and go to school half a day. So that was great. Well, on my way to school, I would always go by and pick up three of my friends, and we would smoke marijuana from the time I picked them up to the time we got to school. This was an everyday mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And one day on the way to school, one of my friends come up with this brilliant idea. It's like, hey, let's go to my house and hang out and, and get high at my, at, at my house because my parents at work. And I'm not thinking like, okay, that's cool. And I still think about that today. Now, why would I do that? I was only going to school a half a day. This didn't make sense. So this story happened on a regular well, one day when I got home, my parents were sitting in the front room. Uh-oh. And I knew something. <laughs> I knew something was right. <laughs> right. Because they usually don't sit in the front room. But I went on about my business, and I don't know if it was my mom or my dad. They asked me, uh, have you been to school today? I'm like, yes, I've been to school, which that day I had actually been to school. And they said, well, what is this letter? And I said, what letter? So they read the letter, and it said, Anthony Jackson would not be able to go to the 12th grade because he has missed so many days. Oh, wow. And Miss D, those, oh, I, my Ooh. stomach's bubbling. <laughs> Get those bubbles. Right. <laughs> I'm in trouble oh, now. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. So they sitting there waiting, and I didn't say no. So they said, you mean to tell me you've been getting up every morning acting like you're going to school and mm. you're not? After all we do for you, we didn't help you get a car. We still buy your clothes, and we still give you money every now and then. And this is how you're gonna repay us. And man, I, I'm feeling about two inches tall at this time. Yeah. So I went on and told them, "Yeah, I had been skipping school, hanging out with some of my buddies." And they said, "Why? Why are you doing this?" So what is your plans, Tony? What are you planning on doing with your life? Now, I knew I didn't want to go back to high school because I was going to be embarrassed because I was going to have to repeat the 11th grade. So mm-hmm. I told them, well, the best thing for me to do is go get my GED. And they agreed to it. Well, the only thing about the GED class is the teachers there, they don't really care. If you come, you come. If you don't, you don't. They ain't going to send no letters home. So it wasn't well, struck as structured. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I started going to GED classes, and I started, start, I started doing the same thing. I started skipping. And eventually, I quit going to GED classes. Well, I know these other guys that was into the game of selling crack cocaine, and they introduced me to the game. Back in 1986, the crack epidemic was real high in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first got in this game, 
it was real, real, real good to me because I made a bunch of money. I used to make a thousand dollars to two thousand dollars every day. The corner that we used to sell drugs on, it was an ongoing thing. It was like a city inside the city. It never did stop. Wow. I'm uh, 17, year, uh, 17 years old at this time, and now I'm buying all the jewelry I wanted, all the clothes, and now I'm buying the best marijuana it was. Ooh. So at this time, I thought I was untouchable. You know, I thought I was on top of the world. But during this time, you know, something happened. Uh, I graduated my drug use. I started putting a crack and marijuana together, and I would roll it up and smoke it. And before I knew it, I had a $500 habit. But mm-hmm. at that time, it wasn't a problem because I made enough money to support my habit. Mm-hmm. Well, one day we were sitting on the corner doing our thing, and back then I used to sell drugs to whoever it didn't matter. I used to run cars. Whoever wanted, I, they could get it from me. Well, me and one of the guys I used to sell drugs with, we used to have a competition to see who would sell the most drugs every day. Well, one day this, this blue caprice put up on a, cor- on a corner where we sold drugs at, and we run to the car. We run in. And as soon as we get to the car, the undercovers jump out. So I start uh. running, and I try to chomp my drugs, and they seen me. Yeah. Wow. So that was my first case of possession of a controlled substance. Now, how old were you then? I was seventeen. Okay. Yeah, seventeen years old. Really young. Mm-hmm. And I had just been right up in the paper. Sen- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, what type of sentence did you give for that? How long? Oh well, I went to jail. And um, they had a big old write-up in the paper about mm-hmm. about my uh, drug bust. And they, they uh, really blow it up bigger than what it is. Oh. And, um, yeah, they blow it up bigger. And I stay in jail about two weeks, but I burned it out. But the whole time I was in jail, I wasn't thinking about what had happened to me. All I was thinking about, I got to get back out of this corner and sell some Back water. to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So I went back to that corner and I started selling drugs again. And I think I stayed out like three weeks. And one one day out of nowhere, the undercovers hit the scene and the FBI hit the scene at the same time. They had every area blocked off and you couldn't run nowhere. So these guys get out with these big cowboy hats on, cowboy boots on, (laughs) and they're going around asking everybody what their names are. And they they got the papers with our pictures on them. And... Uh, they came. They were watching me, they, that corner. Yeah, they was watching that corner, mm-hmm. and they're going around asking each individual what their names was. And they came up to me. They knew exactly who I was. I just got busted like that two weeks before. And they said, "Yeah, Anthony Jackson, your name on this." So they handcuffed me, and I asked them what was going, what was going on, but they wouldn't tell me. So we all go to jail, and everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. So the next morning, I go to court. Come to find out, I got two secret indictments where I done sold to an undercover twice. Wow. They were building a case, a case against you. Right. So yeah. now I got cases. I got a possession of a controlled substance to carry five to 20, 
and then I got a secret indictment that carried five to ninety-nine, and then another one. So I got three cases, and each one are ran separate. Ooh. So at time, yeah, I'm in jail, and I stay in jail right. man the whole month this time. And at this time, I wasn't putting up no money because I was just out there doing crazy stuff. I had a habit I had to keep up, and I was, you know, doing all sorts of kind of things. And I wasn't putting up mm-hmm. no kind of money at all. Well, my parents brought me out. And when they got me out, they was like, what has overcome you? We didn't raise you up like this. They just couldn't understand. They were trying mm-hmm. to act like it was their fault. Right, right. Right. I, I think that's um not to say typical but um I, I think that's something that that happens a lot, you know. Parents tend to blame themselves for the actions, you know, of their children, you know, um but that's not always the case. You know, we pick our own path, you know, right. as we get older and um yeah. So so they were asking you what had drew you to that lifestyle, and what was your reply? At that time, I I didn't say nothing. I was just sitting there being quiet. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. Didn't know. And uh, they said, well, won't you go stay with your uncle for a while that stayed in Dallas, which I stayed in Longview, Texas at that time. Won't you go stay with him for a while? And I thought about it. I said, that might be a good idea. But deep down, I really didn't want to do it. I was just doing it for the mm-hmm. Going through the motion. So did, right. So I did go stay with my uncle. But one thing about my uncle, he didn't play. Now, he wasn't going to have <laughs> you running out of his house. He just wanted right. that type of <laughs> And at that time, I was really uncontrollable, you know. And I didn't want to live up with nobody's rules. I wanted to do what Tony wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there about two weeks, and I come right on back to Longview, and I went straight back to their block with three oh, cases. No. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so I don't want so, you to tell your full story because uh, we uh, want people to buy your book. But okay. tell me this, you know, wh- how did you, um, at what point were you able to turn? How did things turn for you? So you got those charges. You said um, one or two were secret. Uh, whatever came out of those situations, you know, um, and also, how did your life begin to turn to where God was restoring you? Okay. Uh, out of one of those, the, the first time uh, I got a 10-year sentence for the uh, one possession case and the two secret indictments, it was nothing but God's grace. They ran all my cases. I got a 10-year sentence out of that. And I did wow. 13 months on that. After so you did thir- 13 months out of a 10-year sentence. Right, 13 months. Mm-hmm. DMSD, I get out of mm-hmm. prison. I don't stay out for six months, and I catch another case, and I go back to prison again. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. God, so how God long did you stay in that I, time? Yeah. God's been with me on this like this whole mission I've been on. This time oh, I, I can get tell. five years. God get I only get five years the second time for the same type of case, a possession case. Wow. Yeah. So God was giving you grace after grace after grace 
Right. And, you know, what, what were you learning through all of this? You know, were you at, at what point did you change and realize that this isn't the way I need to live? I need to make a change. Or, you know, was there some particular moment that led you to the point where you, you know, um, made the decision to turn, you know, from that lifestyle and to do a new thing? Well, I, uh, I decided to go to a rehab and get some help. And during that time, I had lost a relationship with my children. And my children respected my, their stepfather more than they respected me. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I always kept in front of me. Like, that was my why. That was my turning point. And my parents. Because my parents was on my side the whole time. Through mm-hmm. all the trials and tribulations that I took them through, they were still on my side. Now, mm-hmm. they had, they never lost hope in me at all, you know, because I'm, I'm their son, and quite naturally, everybody's going to stick by their kids no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know? They yeah. stuck with me through the whole thing, and I knew that, hey, I need to change because I'm killing my mother, her only son. I got to change. Mm-hmm. And I went to... Uh, Rehab, I started going to church, and my life changed once, once I started going to church. I had a spiritual experience while I was in church, and my life wow. totally changed. Praise God. And how old were you at that point? At that, I had to be somewhere around 23, 24, Okay, around. so you were still pretty young. Yeah, I was still pretty still young. Still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, wow, what a journey. Wow, what a journey. So, you know, uh, it was that encounter with God, you know, during that church service that you mentioned that, you know, um, activated that change, redirecting you on another path. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So, you know, um, what about, you know, be being that, you know, you um, lived that lifestyle during those times in your life and, you know, God um, delivered, healed, and restored you, what is your message to those young men who are, as we speak, standing on that corner, you know, and they think, you know, this is the best that I can do, you know, this lifestyle is where it's at. Um, You know, what would you say to them, you know, having been – in that lifestyle, having those experiences, you know, what empowerment or encouragement can you give those young men, I even say young people, you know, to, to empower them that there's more to life than standing on the corner? I would say to the young men or, you know, even we have women out there that sell it. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say that this is lifestyle that you don't want. Yeah. You get money, you get cars, you get everything you want, but this is an end game. Either you're going to end up in a penitentiary the rest of your life, or you're going to die, or you're going to be that old man that's sitting up under that tree with that ball in your hand. And that's no life, you know. You have to think about your parents that's counting on you. Everybody got somebody watching them. Everybody got a, a, a sister or a brother or a cousin, but somebody is watching you. Now, think about the stuff that you are creating, what you're doing. You're just setting an example for them. 
So you know, you don't you telling them not to do anything, but you out here selling drugs. So why why would you go through that cycle to do that? It's more to life than mm-hmm. that. You might you might not be a college student. College ain't for everybody, but it's right. so much stuff that you can do out here now to live a successful life. All you have to do is get out here and find the resources, and it is money out here now. A lot of people want this stuff fast, but you have to be a brick by brick, and things will come to you. Amen. But that patient, be patient with it. We just want the fast microwave stuff, and that's no way to live. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to go to prison. You got somebody tell you when to go to bed. Somebody will tell you when to get up. And then plus you, this is the crazy part. You have to work while you in prison. So why not work and get paid and be free? Amen. Why not be a slave? A slave. You don't have to live yeah. that life because just like you are a, a animal, they treat you like you're an animal when you locked up. Amen. And you know, one thing I always thought about, you know, when I would see the brothers on the corner, and I mean, you even said it that you were making one to two thousand dollars per day. You know, it takes a lot of skill to manage that. Uh, not that lifestyle, but that process. You you have to have some type of financial inkling. Um, some you have to have some planning skills, um, mm-hmm. some collaborative skills. All of those skills that are used for that can be used for something good, something that can propel one even higher. You you know what yeah. I mean? I believe you know um, those are the skills. You know, we all have a purpose, whether we real realize it or not, and those young men who are standing on the corner, you know, having been endowed already with those skills that they have to be able to stack money and, and be able to uh, save the money up to, to go uh, re-up, I guess that's the proper terminology, you right, know, right, to be exactly. able to plan all of that out and, and and be able to basically run their own establishment, that same effort could be taken to run a business, to create a business that is legit. Yes, yes. You just said a mouthful there. You said a mouthful. Mm-hmm. That's true. But we don't want to take the negative and make it into positive. Right, right. Or don't know how to. You don't know how to. Yeah. Exactly. I go down to the uh, juvenile detention talk with the children. And the number one thing I'm always hearing is their fathers are not in their lives. Maybe about like mm-hmm. 10 to 11 people in, in there, and out of 10, I would say eight people would say their fathers are not in their lives. And that's coming. As men, we have to step up and change our lives. We have to get out here and yeah. share our stories. You got, you got people now that's been through struggles, but they are ashamed to get out here and share their stories, or they don't even want to give back and go out here and help the people. We have right. to be able to give back and yeah. share our stories. Yeah, that's more prevalent. It's more prevalent, you know, than we're than we know of. I'm not sure what that. I guess you like you said, it's shame, you know. But you know, Al, we experience it, the the things throughout our journey, so they become our stories. But our stories are for God's glory. So if He has allowed us to experience something, then it's it holds some type of purpose in it, whether it's to get us where he needs us to be, whether it's going to be or like you, like me, and like many others, um, whether we're going to be using that story, those situations, as medicine for someone else. 
right. you know, whether it be, be to act as forerunners to either keep them from making the same mistakes or on the opposite side, encourage them to, you know, go out here and make something of themselves. Exactly, exactly. Because I, I feel like I know God took me through that for a reason, so I can be the, a testimony. I, it's no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind for that. I know he did. Because yeah, he kept faith on my life over there. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yes. For sure. Yes. Yeah, because so many other people who may have experienced what you experienced may either have gotten that life sentence, number one. Number two, they may have been shot up on that street corner. Or number three, they may have succumbed to that addiction that they uh, have it that they took on as a result of what they were indulging in. Exactly, so exactly. Your, your testimony is definitely powerful. You know, God allowed you to survive for a reason, to survive and thrive, you know, for a reason, and to, to be restored for a reason. So, um you know, what? as a recovery coach, um, tell us some of the things that you do to help those um, who find themselves in those places um, recover. Well, actually, now I, I, uh, I got a couple of recovery houses that I go to, and I coach like six men there. And mm-hmm. I little know that it's a different way out. You don't have to go through what you're going through. And I know it's a struggle uh, with life. Uh, it's hard to find jobs now. People don't want to give people jobs because of their sure. background. But I tell them, don't give up. Just keep going. I, I encourage them. You know, I encourage them that they can do better. Because you look at, look at me. I've been in the same place you have. You can make it. Now, you know, I always you give encouraging words. I always got some, you know, like a... Uh, certain exercises I give them to do every week. And some people just want some hope. They just want you to tell them that mm-hmm. they can't better. That's all they want. Just need some encouragement. A lot of times people don't have family or they don't have no one in their circle that, that will encourage them or they don't have the right people that's around them. Right. They got negative, negative people around them. So that that's what I do as a recovery coach. I really encourage and uh I help people uh, find resources like jobs or uh, resources to uh, better their education. I always tell them that read, start reading, put something in your mm-hmm. mind to make stuff. You know, watch what you're listening to because it's very important what you put inside. So true. Your ears and your eye gates have to be guarded at all times. Mm-hmm. So you know, what would you say? Um, I mean, I know you've just given us a few tips, you know, for how they can stay empowered and encouraged. But, you know, for that brother who, you know, may be doing his best to find employment, find and keep employment, I had to add that one on there, because sometimes they find employment, but it's hard for them to keep it for whatever reason. You know, um, what else would you say, you know, Tell us something that would speak to the spirit of that individual who may be losing hope, you know, and are falling or succumbing to, you know, that um, mental assault of the enemy telling them that because of what they've done, because of where they've been, you know, they will never recover. You know, what would you say to them, you know, so that they can keep the faith and keep pressing through? 
number one, I would say that, you know, make sure that you're in a, in a solid church, a Bible-based church, but I would say make sure that you get around a accountability group or get into a brotherhood, someone that's going to keep you accountable. Someone, someone's going to keep their foot on your neck. Someone's mm. going to tell you when you're wrong, stuff that you don't want to hear. The stuff that you don't want to hear, that, that, that's the things that make you grow. And a lot of, as men, we don't want that. We don't want nobody telling us what to do. And we always right. keep, some, keep circle strong men around us, somebody who got great integrity and character. Someone that's really walking the walk, not talking the talk. And you know who got good in, in integrity. You can tell by the fruit that they bear. So make sure that you surround yourself around the right people. A strong, solid brotherhood. That's what you need to be in a strong accountability group. And then you build that base up with God. Because sometimes you, you can go in church and you're thinking you're building a relationship up. You might not be building that relationship up with God. You, you might get around some people that can hold you accountable. Why you born a church and they'll help you build build you up. Because sometimes people don't they don't know how to re, uh, hear from God. You know, they might be praying, but they don't know when the Holy Spirit is really talking to them. Because, yeah. you know, when you in tune to God, you know when he's speaking because his voice is different. Because he talks real, real soft. And you know his voice when he's talking to you. And a lot of times when you do hear him, it's, it's something that you've already felt in your spirit, mm-hmm. and a lot of times he's coming to confirm, yes, that's what I want you to do. Yes, that's where I want you to go. Amen. So that's a very, very good advice. You know, um, so you are located in Indiana? Yes, ma'am. So you work out of Indiana. So, you know, as far as your, your recovery coaching, is it just um, the recovery houses you go to? Do you have um, any recovery programs yourself, or do you do recovery coaching for individuals? Yes, I do individual also. Um, I, coach, I can coach anybody if it's on, uh, you know, over the phone, over the Internet, not just in recovery house or, you know. I, okay. I, Coach anybody that's going through that. Uh, I've been on uh, been a certified recovery coach since January, so I'm uh, awesome. just now. Congratulations! Me. Thank you. So you know what is what is your uh, what are your goals? You know what is your dream as it relates to you know um, assisting individuals with recovery? Uh, where do you see yourself um, going as you continue to move forward? Okay, right now I own my own truck, own trucking business. I want to get out of there completely, and I want to have me like ten recovery houses where I can help all sorts of people, people that's getting out of prison, people, caught people, young men that uh, probably don't have nowhere to go, that's homeless. I want to be able to help those people. That that's my vision that I want to have to help and give back. Because it's mm-hmm. nothing like giving. Because when you give, mm-hmm. God's I'm not, and I'm not talking about it to being it for money. I really, right. That's my, that's my right. word. Just really help people. So it definitely, a lot of times things become passions for us because it's either something, you know, um, we've experienced and we understand the, you know, the hardships that may come with it. But we, on the other side of that, we understand that 
Uh, it won't be like that always. There is a way through. There is more on the other side. So, you know, um, you were endowed with that passion to pour out on someone. Um, and like you said in the beginning, God gave you grace upon grace, you know, as you were going through all of that um, and didn't allow you to get those 99 years for a reason. So um, congrats to you with that vision that you have in mind. And, and I believe that, you know, because of the heart that you have, that God will make that provision um make that come to fruition. Amen. So I'm going to give you, you're welcome, I'm going to give you a few minutes to, to let our listening audience know, those who are listening to the replay of the conversation, let them know, you know, um, where they can find you on social media, give them your website, um, and just tell us one more time the, the uh, services that you offer, just in case that young man or woman is listening to this um, by chance, and, you know, it's their day, you know, to come out from where they are and start walking in the newness that God has for them. Okay. On Facebook, you can reach me out at Tony Jackson. On Instagram, I'm Tony, Certified Recovery Coach. Uh, Twitter is Restored Tony. I'm... um, offer uh, recovery coaching, you can uh, reach me on my email address at TonyRestore at gmail.com. My website is TonyRestore.com. And also, you can get my book off there, Prison Sentence to Purpose Driven. Amen. And what I want to do... Def- oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, Go ahead. What, yeah. I, yeah. what I want to leave for that person is, don't give up. No matter what, just mm-hmm. keep going. If you're a person and you and you relapse eight, nine, ten times, don't stop. Keep getting back up on that horse, cause one day yeah. the horse will keep going. Cause I went through that. Don't please don't give up. And if you're out there on the corner and you're selling drugs, but you really don't want to live that life, reach out to a mentor or something. Reach out to someone who can help you, because your life can change. Cause someone is dependent on you. Think about your sister or your brother, your little cousin or you're that good little friend you have, think about that person. It's not about you About you at the end of the day because you don't want to end up in prison, you don't want to end up dead, or you don't want to end up like that old man up on your tree. Just don't give up. Please don't. Amen. Amen. So we know that the word tells us that God would never leave us or forsake us, whether we were on a street corner, uh, whether we were slinging, drugs or um, taking drugs or even uh, engaging in something else that wasn't fruitful for our mind, body, soul, or spirit. I thank you, Tony Jackson, a.k.a. Tony Restored, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. It is um, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing. And I know you already realize it because you're on the other side of it and you're living it out. But just to hear your testimony, you know, is really, really encouraging. You know, we, you know, just riding through neighborhoods, you see the young men, um, you know, engaging in that same type of activity, and it just hurts your heart to know that there's so much potential, you know, lying deep within them that has not been tapped into. So we need um, individuals like you who are, you know, taking up the cross, um, of this 
and, you know, seeking to make change in those situations. So thank you for all you do. And like I mentioned, thank you for coming on the podcast. Do you have any last words for our guests? I mean, sorry, for our uh, listening audience? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Ms. D. Thank you for what you're doing. Just keep putting your message out there and letting people share their stories because it's so important because, you know, this mm-hmm. right here can get out to millions of people. And yeah. I thank you for allowing me to come on. I, I, I appreciate you. You just keep doing what you're doing where God can bless you and let your light shine. Because a lot of people, sometimes they, they don't even want you to come on their podcast to share if you're not at this certain level or, or if you don't have that many followers. But when I reached mm-hmm. out to you, you said, no problem. And I appreciate you for that. So keep doing what you're doing. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. It's a labor of love because, you know, just like you, my passion is to support the underdog. You know, I don't look at any big I's and little U's. You know, I believe that we are all God's children. We all have a purpose. We all have a destiny. We all have a story to share that can uplift and empower and, you know, you know, it's not like you mentioned. It's not about money for me. It's definitely just helping people realize because I, too, have been in a place where I thought I was the only one experiencing something, you know, and that, that deferred me coming up and out of that place. So my, my um, goal through this podcast and other things that I'm involved in is to, you know, give people a platform you know, to share their stories and their testimonies Um, because um, for me, um, I tend to follow someone someone who can relate, someone who I can relate to, right? You know, someone who can show me that, yes, I was here, but now God has brought me here. This is, and not just say that I went from here to here, but tell me what that process was. You know, don't just tell me all the, the good about it. Tell me those days where you had lost hope. Tell me those days where you were barely making it, but God lifted you up and pulled you through. So um, thank you. Thank you again for not acknowledging that. And, um, you know, I will continue to lean on God for his help to um, continue this platform um, for other individuals just like yourself. Thank you. So, um, you're welcome. Well, everyone, we have reached another, the end of another empowering episode of the Fuel for Your Journey podcast. I want to say thank you again to Tony Jackson, a, a.k.a. Tony Restored, for coming on to share his story about how God took him from a prison sentence to having a purpose-driven life. Until next time. Always remember that just as a vehicle can never get very far without stopping by the fueling or filling station to fill up, neither can we. We must make it a habit to get refueled daily through God's word and a personal relationship with him. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fuel for Your Journey podcast. Take care and God bless.